Even if you're responsible for only 2% of the issue, you're still 100% responsible for that 2%. James, I find myself in this situation most often that I'm only 2% responsible. (laughs) (laughs) So we've all experienced a person like Lisa who just cannot admit when they are wrong. Hey, welcome to this episode of the Art of Spousing Podcast. Thanks for taking some time out of your full life and spending it with us today. We hope you had a great week. Ours was really fantastic. We had some margin because the last few weeks have been slam packed. So yes, they have. It's, it's nice. been nice to catch our breath for a mm-hmm. minute. But one of the exciting things we did this week was we went to a wedding and I officiated the wedding of a great young couple. You do such a great job of fishing. You take it so seriously. You did a beautiful job. Thank you. And congratulations, Andrew and Madison. We are super excited for your new life together. And welcome to the Art of Spousing. That's right. That's right. Yep. So last week, we started a conversation around creating an emotionally safe environment in your marriage. If you hadn't had the opportunity to listen to that episode, we really encourage you to go back and listen to it. It will help give context to what we're going to talk about today. But as a recap, we said a successful marriage develops emotional intimacy and knows how to provide a place of safety. We want to continue that conversation today, but before we go there, we want to make sure you know about the Marriage Reboot Retreat. This is a two-day intensive with James and I, where we focus on defining the purpose and vision for your marriage. Listen to what Scott and Donna had to say about their Marriage Reboot experience. I would say we had a good marriage, but we had some areas that we needed to improve on, specifically communication, and we had some areas with our parenting skills. One of the takeaways that we had that was so good was it gave us the next step. It equipped us to move forward in our faith walk and in our marriage. It unstuck us to move to the next point. It really helped us in our communication skills. We didn't realize that we had faulty perceptions and faulty belief systems. So once we kind of gained awareness of that and we were given the tools, it's really just impacted our marriage in such a great way. Our communication has greatly improved, not only between Donna and I, but also with our family and our friends. We are so thankful for the tools that we gain to grow deeper in our communication and our intimacy is better. And we've created sustainable habits from the guidance and the reboot that has affected our marriage. I would highly recommend the marriage reboot because it's given us hope, it's given us direction, and it's given us purpose. If you're interested in finding out more about the Marriage Reboot Retreat, we would love to talk to you about it. You can direct message us on Instagram, the word call, C-A-L-L, and we will send you a link to schedule a live video call with James and I to see if the reboot is right for your marriage in this season. You can also get the link in the show notes or online at artespousing.com backslash coaching. Man, that was a mouthful of a lot of things. I did it. You did it. Okay, so let's jump back into our conversation about emotional safety. There are seven ways to create an emotionally safe environment in your marriage that will foster emotional intimacy between you and your spouse, which is a really critical part of intimacy. That's right. So we've broken these seven down into two categories, three things we need to avoid 
And then four things we need to practice. I love that we have three negative things and an extra positive thing this week. So four positive things. Again, last week we talked about how we can create emotional safety by avoiding criticism, avoiding contempt, and avoiding defensiveness. So today let's look at the four active practices that we can do to foster a place where we can emotionally connect and build a strong marriage. The first practice, and one of the most important ways to create emotional safety in your marriage, is to quickly ask for and give forgiveness. This requires owning your part in any conflict, situation, or conversations that have gone bad. Even if you're responsible for only 2% of the issue, you're still 100% responsible for that 2%. James, I find myself in this situation most often that I'm only 2% responsible. (laughs) (laughs) So we've all experienced a person like Lisa who just cannot admit when they are wrong. Mm -hmm. I know that's not really you. No, it's not, but it was a fun. Maybe that person's not in your marriage, but maybe they're at work. It may be an extended family member or a close friend. What we've learned is when you cannot admit that you're wrong, you tend to continue believing the narrative that is shaped by you and you alone. And no one can provide and you cannot see a different perspective. This can lead to you becoming so internally and externally annoyed, truly believing that everyone around you is wrong. Lisa, we've been blessed that God spared us from this being part of our marriage history or story, but we have been on the other side of people who, in their relationship, they've had this scenario of not being able to forgive or ask for forgiveness, and it Mm. really is there's little or no forward movement in their lives. But the Bible has a lot to say about forgiveness In Ephesians 4, verse 32, it says, Be kind and compassionate to one another. You need to forgive each other just as Christ forgave you. Again, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 13, it says, Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Let me just say that a gateway to forgiveness is really a good apology. Mm. And it's not just saying, I'm sorry, right? It includes looking and verbally acknowledging and actively changing the area you contributed. So we have to really practice giving and receiving forgiveness. Yeah. And sometimes, I well, not sometimes, all the time, I think an apology should actually extend, will you forgive me, James? Right. Or you just say, Lisa, will you forgive me? Right. And then to that, I would never say, it's okay. Right. I would say, I do forgive you, James. Right. So I think it's important to make that exchange. The first practice is be quick to ask for and or give forgiveness. The second is to validate the feelings of the person who has been hurt. Mm. So I always love looking at the dictionary at words to really get understanding. It increases your Arkansas vocabulary, doesn't it? It does. It really does. I want to give you that one. That was a good one. To demonstrate or support the truth or value of. So to validate is to support truth or value of. Validating feelings is not always validating truth or facts around the situation or incident. You are validating how someone feels. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing with the other person. It's about recognizing that the feelings are real and they're valid. Validation doesn't necessarily mean giving into the other person, but it does mean letting them know that their feelings are heard and understood. I remember one time, James, we were sitting at the dinner table and you were instructed instructing slash coaching our son when he was much younger. And I just felt bad for him in that moment. I knew he needed it, but I felt bad for him. And soon after you finished that, I didn't even hardly let you take a breath. And I was like, but Parker, we love you and you're doing so good. You know, and the dinner ended later. It hit me. 
what I said undercut your leadership and the necessary, very necessary instruction in his life. So I came to you and I said, I'd like to ask you to forgive me. And I acknowledge how that must have felt. Right. I validated that you might have felt like my words or my actions may have disrespected you in front of our son or minimized your role as a father and instruction to him. And you actually did appreciate that. To take it a step further, I went back to Parker. Yeah. And I said, I didn't mean to do that to your dad. I apologize to him. But basically, when you validate feelings of another person, you're taking ownership and establishing emotional safety. Right. And that's what I did in that moment, because I'm looking to have my own ownership and state how that must have made you feel. Right. And there may be times that one person doesn't validate the other person. And if I were to flip that situation, if yes. you didn't say, James, I can imagine how that made you feel. I could have said, I forgive you. I want you to know how that made me feel. Mm -hmm. And I could express my feelings, which I probably would have to get my feel wheel out to do that. <laughs> but I could express my feelings of how that made me feel disrespected or undervalued mm -hmm. in front of our son. Or what if I never even came to you and you had to come to me and say after the dinner and you had to approach me mm -hmm. and say, hey, that didn't feel great. Right. And yeah, either way. But an emotionally safe environment would be the responsibility to validate. I can see how that made you feel. And I'm sorry for that. I own how that made you feel. You know what? In this moment, it actually goes back to our last episode. Mm -hmm. Is in that moment, if you had to come to me, I would have had to avoid defensiveness right. and say, I am so sorry. I did not want you to feel that way. I can see how you would have. So, right. so um, accepting yeah. that your actions may have caused hurt or mm -hmm. harm can really be difficult. And you don't want to be defensive, right? Right. But it's an important step in creating a safe environment in which to express yourself. And taking responsibility helps foster mutual respect and can open the door to finding a resolution or compromise, which is really important for there to be this emotional intimacy in the relationship. That's right. So basically, verbally own it, admit if you're wrong, or admit to the impact if the intent was not there, even if the intent was there, just admit it. Verbally own how it impacted your spouse. Imagine how it could have impacted them and state that. And then practically own how you'll walk it out. Right. I think this is key in forgiveness and in validating feelings is that you have to look to have a plan to be different the next time. Right. Yeah. So by taking time to validate each other's feelings, couples can create this safe, supportive environment in which they can freely express themselves and work together on resolving issues. And the truth of this, it will compound. Right. It will compound and it will, it'll double down in creating this. And we've gotten stronger and stronger at it as we've practiced that. Yeah. So the, again, the first practice is to ask for and give forgiveness. Mm -hmm. The second is to validate your partner's feelings. The third thing is you also want to practice being willing to compromise. And when you think of compromise, you may think that you're selling for something less than what is needed for there to be quality or excellence in your relationship. Mm -hmm. However, we need to shift how we think about compromise. Me asking you, Lisa, to compromise in a way that goes against our principles or foundations to our marriage is not what we're talking about when we're talking about compromise, right? Right. So there are some compromises I initiate, like riding gondolas or jumping in the ocean with whale sharks. These are things I... I actually stretch myself, but you're not asking me to do that. And if I really did fear that, you wouldn't ask me to compromise that. Right. It's but, not that kind of compromise. No, but even beyond that, we're actually talking about selling a dispute right. by mutual concession. Right. Right. To create this emotional safety, we have to be able to come to agreement, even if we have to concede some of our own preferences. Got it. 
and maybe to accept standards that maybe we feel are lower than our desirable standards. So, oh man, accept standards that are lower than my desirable standards. I know this is going. I know <laughs> this is going. So, like Lisa, you have this standard of how the house needs to be clean. Yes, and amen. Right, and you want it to be in order, but. Sometimes you lower your standards around that for compromise to make a way for other things. That's right. You know, one of the things I lower my standard on. What's that? Is toothpaste in the sink. That's what I, I love. That's, I, <laughs> I think do. that's a lower standard, but I don't think that's the reason you lower your standard. No, but that's one of the things I lower. I just say, you know what? There's more important things than toothpaste in a sink. So I always say that if you're going to put toothpaste in a sink, Lisa, you ought to clean it up after yourself. <laughs> that's right. So for me, toothpaste in the sink and dirty dishes and so forth are not a big deal. But I compromise and put effort into picking up. You do. Again, it doesn't matter to me, but it matters to you. So I'm going to find the common ground there so that I can move closer to you. Right. So in any healthy marriage, both spouses need to be willing to compromise in order to come to any kind of agreement. Right. And by no means does compromising mean giving into or letting the other person win all the time. Nobody in the relationship supposed to be a doormat to just be walked on. And, right. and really, it's not about winning or losing, right? It means finding a balance between two sides and the, of a viewpoint. We both have different viewpoints. So we want to find a balance between those two things. You know what? If it's about winning or losing, you're both losing. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's true. Mm-hmm. So a few things to think about. You want to be open to considering your spouse's point of view and working towards an acceptable solution that both of you can agree on. It's important to remember that communication is key here. So make sure that you are both open and honest about your feelings and be respectful of each other's opinions. Being willing to negotiate and make compromises can help build trust. And then lastly, let me just mention with this the importance of utilizing active listening, mm. listening to learn, listening to hear the heart, not just the words that are said. So it's okay if you and your spouse don't always agree on things. You're going to have different viewpoints, different opinions, different perspectives. The important thing is that you're both committed to working together to come up with solutions that benefit both of you with patience and understanding you can learn to compromise without sacrificing your needs or beliefs and actually move closer together in your emotional intimacy. There are some more complicated areas in our married life where yep. we have to bring compromise besides household things. So I don't want to reduce it to that. That just is a great... You don't great, want to reduce it to toothpaste in the sink. I don't want to do that, but that's just a very but, concrete way of doing it. But there are, in all honesty, some places where we have to come to compromise. We actually work together. And so some things in that environment, there's tension there to come to compromise. In parenting, right. there's tension to come to compromise. That's another big one for us. Yeah. Another big one is with... Like, like vacations and holidays, right? Right. With our in-loves. I like to call them in-loves instead of in-laws. Right. Not to mention, not even just vacation and holidays of like, are we going to go to Memphis? Are we going to go to Ohio? Are we going to stay here? And now we have the complexity of our kids who are outside of the house. What are we going to do? But there are probably some family of origin tensions that we have to manage that have nothing to do with holidays and vacations that we have to come to a compromise on how we're going to navigate. Again, with this compromise, I know we've given a really simple example This can get very complex, but if we work it out in the smaller places, it will tend to build and build some reps for the larger places in life where compromise is a little bit more challenging. Yeah. And again, I think practicing compromise is moving towards each other Mm -hmm. and towards each other's perspective and viewpoints. I love it. I love it. The last practice is seeking out help when needed. James is a nearly 15 years ago when we sought out professional help in parenting with one of our kids. Back then, 
counseling had a stigma with it. And maybe it even does today, but not in the circles we're running around with. With our parents' generation, counseling wasn't even readily available. And when it started becoming available, it certainly was rare to hear someone say, I'm going to counseling, because right. that, was, that would indicate something is dreadfully wrong with you. But when we sought out counseling, it did feel like we were saying we had messed up, or we did something wrong, or we're really bad parents. We did learn some amazing things that we did not know in that season. So there's so many valuable lessons in parenting in our own personal life that we learned. But one of the most amazing things is I learned how brave it is. And it was the most loving thing that we could do as a parent to get counsel to know how to navigate hard seasons. I remember the first time that we shared this idea that we went to counseling as pastors. Mm -hmm. People are thinking we must have it together, right? but we're seeking counsel. Yep. And a crowd of people, so many people after that came up and said, thank you so much for lifting the stigma of getting help. And we still want to continue to do that. That's why we're bringing it up now is if you need help, you need to get the help that you need. Often we try as a married couple and we should try to handle things in our marriage on our own. But sometimes it's necessary to get outside help. If you've been trying to maintain emotional safety in your marriage and you still feel like there are issues, it may be time to seek some help from a professional pastor or a marriage coach. This kind of support can help you identify issues that are causing the tension in your relationship and help you both learn how to handle them better. An outside perspective is always great because you can see things a little more clearly. I just want to walk through some of the options because I just did this the other day, James. We walked through with a couple, some of the options they had because they were in a stuck place. So there's counseling. Counseling, you're working with a therapist that can help you learn how to navigate deeper emotional issues such as depression or anxiety or maybe some past trauma in your life, family origin issues, Mm -hmm. or maybe just a series of years that you and your spouse have gotten in a place of bad habits. Seeking counsel independently, individually, helps you develop skills and gain tools to care for one another better. There are times, James, in my life that I have needed independent counseling Mm -hmm. to work on myself, to work on Lisa, to be a better Lisa, better wife, and a better mom. So there's no shame in that because this is what I know. A better me is a better we. I like that. A better me is a better we. I like that. That's right. So counseling is an option. Coaching is the second option. So coaching is all about getting from where you are to where you want to be. The conversation around coaching is where are you currently right now? What are the trouble spots, the tension places, the places you feel stuck? But it quickly moves to a plan, a strategy, or priorities to support the vision of your marriage. And that's really what the reboot process is. It is a time to hear some of the pain points, but we quickly move to strategies and plans to move forward in strength. Yeah. We believe in both those tools and for different purposes. Yeah. And so if you need some additional help in your marriage, an active practice is to seek outside help when you need it. So to review, if you want to intentionally create an environment of emotional safety in your marriage, we want to challenge you, first of all, to avoid criticism, avoid contempt, and avoid defensiveness. And we want you to practice asking for and giving forgiveness, practice validating each other's feelings, practice compromising, and then when you need assistance, actively seek outside help. If you have any questions or comments about what you've heard today, we would love to connect with you. You can message us on Instagram, or you can also email us at artist. We are currently working on some big projects that we are excited to introduce to you in the coming months. If you want to stay up to date on what's coming, you can DM us on Instagram, the word info, and we'll make sure you are always up to speed. Thanks again for
for listening today. If you found this episode helpful, please let your friends know by sharing it with them. You can also help other people find the podcast by rating the podcast and leaving us a review. Next week, we have our friends Chris and Jamie Bailey from Expedition Marriage on the show. I've loved that we're connecting with all these marriage influencers, James. It's great. We hope you'll join us then. Yeah, so have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Art of Spousing podcast. Until then, bye-bye.